to you know quote mark twain 20 years from now you'll be disappointed by the things that you didn't do than by the ones that you did do yeah so throw off the you know bowline sail away from the safe harbor catch the wind in your sails and explore dream and discover and that's my wish for all of us Hello and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host Savita Nanjappa, entrepreneur, high achieving 9 to 5er turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how-tos and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Welcome to the Success with Savita podcast. Joining me today is my guest Soundari Mukherjee. She is the founding partner of Tsol, a leadership consultancy firm focusing on business storytelling, future ready skills, behavior, attitude and mindset transformations. having worked for over 20 years in the areas of finance operations banking and entrepreneurship with unilever amz and now tsol soundri has an insider's view on the challenges that organizations and teams face and this drives her passion while working on various consulting and capability building projects with the experience of working in hong kong middle east and india she's known for cultivating and maintaining mutually beneficial business alliances by deepening client engagement relationship building and through extensive community involvement as a business storytelling coach soundri helps leaders and teams use the organic power of stories in a business context to bring humanity to the workplace our topic today is about being human at work and you will hear in this conversation soundri share how to humanize your brand how to come across uh, in the workplace especially in our dynamic and completely digital world right now during this pandemic how you can still retain the humanness in your interactions and build connectedness in your teams in your day to day work life and soundri comes with a lot of extensive experience in this space She has worked with various banks, consulting firms across Hong Kong, Middle East and in India. She has run programs, spoken in conferences, panel discussions and in universities on various topics from business storytelling, personal branding online and offline to thriving in the new normal, networking and so much more. Recently she completed a program on positive intelligence quotient and on visual thinking. She is the visiting faculty at Lakshya University and has conducted sessions at IIM Coimbatore. She is passionate about working with the startup ecosystem and she has organized programs to help women explore opportunities during the course of transition across locations and careers. She also graduated from one of India's premier business schools. So join us as we speak about how to be human at the workplace. Hi Sandri, welcome to the Success with Savita podcast. And actually, before we get started, I do want to share something. You know, we've been chatting and uh, for a while now, and I felt like it was so easy to speak to you, to get along with you. I felt like it's so easy to do that. And sometimes when you're doing that, we forget how accomplished uh, the other person is. How how. many achievements they have uh, and so i was just going through your uh, profile right now and i was like oh my god i have so many more questions to ask her as well but i'm so excited to have you here uh, and having you join uh, me and my audience on this podcast so welcome to the podcast thank you so much savita i feel the same thing about you uh, definitely the connect has been very instant uh, yeah technically we don't need know each other for a very long time but i feel the connection so thank you for creating an environment where it is like that yeah it's all down to you and on that note i think we'll dive right in because i really have a ton of questions for you and um, my first question is having of course gone through all your accomplishments 
Uh, let's start right at the beginning. Share with us your journey so far uh, from the time uh, that you were here in India to having moved to Hong Kong. For those who are listening, she's Sandri is joining me from Hong Kong. So share with us a little bit about your journey so far. Now, thank you so much. Um, let me so look at it from, you know, a little bit of a personal perspective and the professional perspective. So grew up in a regular middle class South Indian household where uh, my parents very clearly measured riches by hard work, academic focus and leading a happy life. So my dad was one of eight children and growing up, he realized his village was not going to hold his ambitions. And one of the most dynamic persons, I know, always curious, learning new things and very self-learned kind of a person and helping others with this knowledge after he learned that. Mm. And my mother grew up in a cultural background, very rich cultural background with and religious household mm. where women didn't really step out and study. But her dad wanted to make that change for her. Um, so she went to uh, school in Sarada Vidyalaya in Chennai. And, but family circumstances were such that she started working when she was 17, which absolutely shelved the dreams of going to college. Uh, she had to travel great distances through public transport and trains when lot men, not many women of her background were even stepping out of the house. Right. So education was a big driver for us. And it was the courage to be independent, to be brave and carve a path for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So for my sister and I, I think that was our theme. And growing up, you know, every summer during school and college, I would come up with a list of summer classes that I wanted to attend and pester my parents to, for money to register in them. It was small amounts, but I'm sure it felt large at that time. My parents never said no. And in that process, I ended up doing different things, singing, dancing, puppet making, drawing, tailoring, shorthand, typing, quiz clubs. And I think, you know, if you have to say, what did you graduate in? I graduated in summer classes. <laughs> okay. And this continues to date in terms of, you know, uh, love for checking out new things. I will always sign up and keep trying new apps and new tools, new courses. So that's more on the, you know, personal uh, side on the, what drives. Professionally, um, I did commerce and I joined because my sister was doing engineering. And I didn't want to do the same thing. So this is how randomly life choices get made. But luckily, it turned out well. Uh, I loved accounting. And I remember through school and college, I would fill every notebook that I could lay my hands on with T-shaped accounts. Okay. <laughs> but they're all over the place. Okay. And then I moved on to work for working for Lipton. And I absolutely loved my job. Um, what was initially just a management accounting and commercial manager kind of a role, the work was very holistic and it gave me a great sense of business uh, acumen, not more than what I got at my MBA school, just hands-on being there, learning from people around. Long hours, but, you know, very fulfilling. The move to ANZ, and there's a big backstory to it, but that is for another time. Uh, Handling retail branches, that opened my eyes to really looking beyond domain expertise, working with people and leading teams. So that was that really uh, carving that niche yeah. uh, for me at work. Yeah. Then a couple of years later, you know, we faced another decision point. My husband got an offer to move to the Middle East, which means we had to move to Bahrain. Mm -hmm. My eldest daughter was a year old and I was really working hard, trying to balance a new baby and a new job. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, but I we reasoned that moving to Bahrain would mean I would spend more time with her. Mm -hmm. And I was also pretty certain that I'd find something part-time to happen. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, um, like I say, doing jig even before the I knew that that's a word existed. Right. And the whole thing of enjoying new geographies, new cultures, new work opportunities, that sort of opened the next bit, which is on consulting. Right. Um, so then the move to in Hong Kong in 2006 was actually relatively easier in that sense. Mm 
Okay. And this whole work towards helping leaders and teams use stories in a business context and bringing yeah. humanity to the workplace. Yeah. And we see that being even more relevant now. Right. So. Yes. Yeah. So. And it's work you. in progress. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I. Uh, I hear you saying that you chose commerce very randomly, right? And I feel like that is also one way to approach. Today, I find a lot of the young, uh, in fact, I currently have an intern program going on, right? And all of them, if you ask them what's, uh, what's next for you, what are some of your goals? There's this whole anxiety around finding my purpose, finding my, you know, what's for me? What do I need to do? But what I hear you say is that you may have chosen it, but you found your own path. And sometimes uh, at that age, you don't know, or when you're just choosing a program, you don't know where it's going to lead you. So it's very interesting that you should share that because today's context is all about, you know, you do so much research before you choose what you're going to study next as you get into college. Um, so that brings me to, you know, you do... You're a business storyteller, right? That's what you teach people to do as well. What led you to storytelling and why? Like, is there like a catalyst that led you to this specific niche? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think we were working uh, in Hong Kong with organizations and I was I remember listening to a podcast by um, John Flint, who's the past CEO of Hong Kong Bank uh, here. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned in the podcast that in his 30-year career, he has produced a million slides, PowerPoint slides, and nobody remembers anything that he has said in that. Okay. Whereas he has told stories along the way, personal stories about his high points, about his low points, successes, failures, and people are still talking about it. Mm. So you realize that stories are a great way to engage with people. So facts and figures, as they say, go to the head and stories go to the heart uh -huh. and leads to engagement. And as we kept working, you know, we are living in a content rich and content saturation environment. Yeah. Some stories are seen, something is not heard, something is not shared. Uh -huh. And we are living it out now, right now during COVID times, uh, yeah. you know, so a lot of the conversations from the clients were around saying our leaders are not inspiring. Mm. When they talk, people don't remember them. Mm. The staff engagement surveys show that leadership communication is a real problem. Mm. Uh, people talk about strategy and change and it sounds like, you know, they're making something up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Or you find values as words which are hung in the wall. You go into any swank corporate uh, setting, you find all these catchy words in the wall. Yeah. Uh, but we don't know what it means when you work. How does it pan out? Right, right. Uh, salespeople are not connecting and so on and so forth. And that really led us to stumble into the natural power of stories to address some of these yeah. issues. Yeah, okay. So... So it's not so much also about storytelling. Um, it is, uh, you want leaders and people to be effective. Mm. So yeah. it is just a tool per se, mm -hmm. a powerful tool to add to your repertoire and mm -hmm. really using some of these small anecdotes and examples. Okay. To yeah. do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, our topic when we were chatting, we said, hey, we're going to talk about humans at work, right? And how, like, when we say that, or people, you know, people, I actually know someone who runs a company called Humanize. Uh, what do we mean when we say humanize your brand, um, being human at work, or how to uh, not just be, like, how to build a connection, how to build this heart connection that you shared. So can we talk a little bit about, so how, what is being human at work? What does it mean? And um, yeah, so just share that for my audience. What does it mean to be human at work? Sure. You know, let me link it to a small example um, instead of talking in abstract. Yeah. So just for example, as facilitators and coaches, mm. you could tell people that it's important to read the temperature of the room. Yeah. And how as again, as facilitators, how can you change it to help others to amplify their presence? Yeah. Now we hear these sentences, uh, you know, yeah, we get it. Of course, 
Yeah. Will we remember it? Will we make ourselves memorable by doing that? Mm, not sure. Okay. <laughs> so I remember Raghu Krishnamurti, who is an ex-CHRO at GE, when he talks about future of work, he shared an example about a man who was struggling to pick up cues on video calls, especially now when everything is online. Mm. Uh, you know, so for one or two weeks, that man was just interrupting people mm. when he should not be interrupting, okay. or he was silent when he was asked to speak okay. because he was just absolutely missing the cues. Yeah, right. And that's when his manager actually listened with her eyes. Mm. She noticed that on the call and she called him up and said, you know, what's wrong? Uh, just help me understand. You don't seem to be where you should be. And is there something I can do to help you? Mm. And he was so grateful for the conversation. He told her that he was actually on the autistic spectrum, though it was not very obvious. And he was really struggling to catch the conversational cues online. Okay. And this caught her thinking and she said, okay, let me figure out a solution. So over the next couple of meetings, she instituted a new protocol saying every time somebody wanted to interrupt, they would hold up a pink slip. Okay. Or if somebody had finished talking, they would say, Roger, just like, you know, you're doing a walkie talkie yeah, kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. So people found it strange at the beginning, but she explained to them that one of our colleagues is finding it difficult to follow everybody. And therefore she was instituting these rules to make sure no person was left behind. Mm. So as managers, we really have to listen with our ears and eyes mm. okay. and really provide that emotional first aid as they say. Yeah. yeah. So it's not something that we normally used to do. Yeah. So, which is why instead of just saying you have to read the temperature, if mm. you, instead of theorizing around it, yeah. if you share an example, it paints the picture very clearly and drives on the message without being preachy. Yeah, uh, beautiful story. Uh, that makes me emotional. But um, so, okay, so we get like you should like you're sharing, these are things that you should do to kind of go beyond just you know like you said strategy uh my most hated word when i was in the corporate world blue ocean strategy we always had to think out of the box and come with the blue ocean strategy which we we didn't understand either uh, right so uh in this increasingly like online world especially with work from home right what are some ways that we can still have connectedness and still maintain that humanness in our day-to-day uh, -day interactions, especially when we are either online or you know, we're just speaking on the phone. Uh, what can we do because we're not seeing each other face-to-face -face and don't have that emotional connection? Yeah, I mean, just saying blue ocean strategy and all those jargons, you are like triggering <laughs> reactions. Right. So many jargons and abstract terminology, which makes us glaze over, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so I was seeing this uh, joke, one of those, I mean, meme factories have been yeah. ruling the ground, right? So I was seeing this joke uh, where an interviewer is asking, tell me more about your background. Mm. And the interviewee replies saying, oh, that's Mount Kilimanjaro, <laughs> referring to the virtual background on Zoom. Right, right. Okay. Taking, you know, what was offline to online is something that we've all struggled with. We've all had to work on. Yeah. It's not something that we've organically been great at. Right. So two things, I think. One is being more present in our conversations. I remember we were on a work Zoom call and I noticed that the person on the other side was writing with her left hand. Mm. And I commented about it. I said, hey, you're also a fellow left-hander. And she was quite surprised that I noticed. She didn't realize that in the screen, the hands were visible and all. And I think that's also a great way of noticing something and building a connection. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what it is. We are all one pixels in the Zoom world. Right. So we have to pay that much more attention to it. And yeah. also about managing distractions. Mm. So we say it's like, from a facilitator point of view, we say it's audience before content. Mm. So really, how do you connect 
with your audience before you talk about anything that you want to talk about because unless that connect is there they're not going to listen to you yeah, yeah. right and i read this with uh, i heard this from one of my friends he was talking about and we talk about leaning in into conversations yeah he used an acronym called ufo okay which is being upright mm-hmm. leaning forward and being open so from a voice perspective as well so that's a catchy word to remember yeah. ufo <laughs> right oh that's that's a great uh, tip actually you are for i'm going to remember that and that's how you're actually using these are things that you can retain like from a conversation versus if you told me like hey savita here are my three tips number one like do this number two do, right maybe I, i may remember or may have to listen to the conversation a few times but right. you know ufo stays very easily so okay so i mean great tips i yeah. um ரிலேஷன்ஷிப்ரிங்ஸ்ரிங்ஸ்ரிங்ஸ்ரிங்ஸ்ரிங்ஸ்ரிங்ஸ்ரிங்ஸ்ரிங்ஸ்ரிங்
I like how you're like sharing how you can do this online, right? And um, before we go ahead to my next question, which is around humanizing, right? Uh, what I wanted to ask you was when you, before you like even started, and we are on the topic of connectedness, before you started, you've gone to different countries. Um, did you find it um, challenging? Uh, or what are some of the challenges that you yourself faced, especially going from being corporate to, um, you know, starting a business? Uh, share with us that uh, experience and the challenges that you had. Right. You know, sometimes the challenges are very clear in retrospect rather than at that time. Sure. At that time, you're in the thick of those things. Yeah. And you're a coach. So, you know, you always say that learning happens in reflecting about the experience. Right. So it's definitely more a reflection rather than. So I think each of the career pivots were a challenge. Mm. But specifically in Hong Kong, starting a business while just registering the company was very easy. Hong Kong is one of the most organized places. Okay. It Registering the company was like a breeze. Mm. But getting work in a place where we hadn't worked in the corporate place was a bit of a challenge. Mm. And I hear this from a lot of coaches and others as well. Um, you know, business development, nobody wants to do it. Um, I was coming from sales. So that bit was not a daunting bit. But I think always there are challenges around, you know, oh, I know my content, I can design, I can do this, but don't ask me to do business development. Mm, yeah. Putting ourselves out there is can be a challenge yeah. in a new place, especially. And it's something like, you know, especially entrepreneurship uh, for somebody who had the safety of a career, uh, the corporate job. Yeah, It's like going skydiving. So <laughs> you have the parachute packed on your bag. You're tied up and linked up to your instructor. You're standing on the edge with your arms flared out. And you're looking at the sky and it's looking great, but you're looking down at the world below. <laughs> There is that whole adrenaline rush that comes in, yeah. which is both fear and excitement. Yeah. And a lot of it is the fear of just getting out of your comfort zone, yeah. which is the first battle, which is with ourselves yeah. True. more than anybody else. And I think that's the journey as an entrepreneur, balancing that fear and keeping that excitement. And it can be a lonely long journey you're doing this now so yeah. you know so you really draw on yourself quite a lot yeah uh, in terms of you know all those so-called words on perseverance and resilience and all that but also remembering that it's a marathon not mm -hmm. a sprint mm -hmm. yeah so telling yourself that yes you know I'm going to do this and I'm going to try this and it's okay uh, some of it will work, some of it will not work. And I think to that end, I've been very lucky. I have a great pool of advisors, mm. whether they know it or not. Yeah. <laughs> they are my advisors. <laughs> I keep calling them and people from various walks of life, people I just pick up the phone and say, I need to talk to you. I'm facing this mm. and, you know, taking that support. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show. So, you know, um, so many aha moments for me because uh, I resonate so much with this having come from the corporate background. If I'd known how hard, like entrepreneurship was never my dream. If I'd known how difficult it was going to be, I would never have pursued this right because you always feel like yeah I have so much experience you know I think this is going to be um, easy but it's easier said than done and you, you're right it's such a lonely journey and and often it's all about second guessing yourself so uh, I mean interesting to hear that most entrepreneurs most people have literally the same uh, experiences and same challenges and I'm sure you had many more but you are <laughs> like these are the things that helped you deal with it, right? So right. I wanted to move into, you know, staying on the subject of um, how to, uh, I mean, being human at work. I wanted to ask you to share a couple of examples of humanizing a personal brand because often while building a brand, people either share teachable content 
or their accomplishments. And I also say this because I also teach personal branding. And people either feel like either they're doing a lot of only accomplishment sharing or not doing enough. Or, um, you know, a lot of them feel like, okay, let me just talk about what I know. So do this, do that. So somewhere the human part of you, the authentic part of you, the storytelling actually doesn't come, all of these things. So can you share a couple of examples of how anyone can really humanize their personal brand? And how do you do that? No, I love how you framed it because this is the kind of content that we see, right? And a lot of the times it's about vanity metrics. Yeah. How many likes have you got? How many shares have you got? And sometimes we forget that there's a human behind that. Yeah. Uh, and while it is important, I think there's a lot of importance to, you know, uh, having that kind of a marketing analytics is useful for business. Yeah. Uh, but that cannot be the prime driving factor, especially in the context of where I'm coming from and where I'm working, the spaces that you're working as well. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, I was a late entrant into Twitter. I got into Twitter as part of the COVID thing in March, March 2020. That's when I got into Twitter. And when I say got into Twitter, it's still a very minuscule account kind of a thing. I don't even post every day. But when I wanted to get onto it, I asked my nephew who is big time into Twitter. I said, I need a class Hmm. because each media, each, uh, um, you know, tool has a, has a way of doing things as an algo. Mm. of working in that platform so to just yeah. understand so he gave me a one-hour crasher I religiously took notes and all that and I was thinking you know first post what shall I write and I was really that clueless mm. uh, even after following people on Twitter I was still quite clueless yeah so I wrote about uh, feed my Chennai which mm. was this uh, initiative where they were trying to help uh, feed migrant workers who couldn't go back yeah. home so they were creating a kitchen and they were funding that uh, kitchen. So a friend of mine in uh, Chennai was involved with it. So I said, let me talk about it. Uh, it's a great cause. I had, you know, I had contributed to it. So let me talk about it. So I just posted that, used all their social media links and just like literally just did that. And afterwards, um, about, I think about three, four hours later, I saw this, uh, you know, icon notification icon on Twitter. And I said, what is this? And that's when I figured out that you could send personal messages on Twitter, which I didn't know. So there was this lady, uh, Chumki Bharadwaj, who works with India Today. She had uh, sent a message saying, hey, is this your initiative? We are looking to cover a feature of a lot of this work, this kind of work that's happening around uh, India. And we want to cover it. And I said, no, not my work, but my friend's work. And give me a minute and let me find him and I'll connect him to you. And I connected them and they, you know, she covered uh, Feed My Chennai, KVN Foundation, I think the name is, I forget the exact name of the foundation. And they got a lot of coverage because of that. Uh, Mm. And so sometimes when we talk about brand and where we are, it's not about amplifying us, but also making it vulnerable and connecting and amplifying others. Yeah. And that's one way of humanizing the brand rather than saying, you know, everybody knows Twitter, everybody knows, say, India Today or something like that. But yeah. it's about actually taking it to that segment. Hmm. And sharing stories helps us be yeah. comfortable with that vulnerability and make that connection. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like people really get stuck when you say, you know, share some personal stories. And the challenge is how much should I share or how much should I not share? Mm-hmm. Or what if I don't have, like, um, in one of my other conversations, I was asking, what if I don't have, um, you're watching so many other people online. So I don't have a hero's journey. I don't have a heroine's journey. My, I have a very normal life. Uh, nothing bad happened. Nothing mind-blowing also happened. So what story do you want me to share? Um, what's your uh, advice to people who ask that question? What's your tip? No, it's not advice. It's more personal reflection. I feel that constantly. Okay. Uh, uh, so even when um, Colors of Hong Kong was asking me to talk, I said, I mean, it's an ordinary journey. Mm. 
touchwood uh, life has been great really no significant pain points touchwood touchwood and all that yeah yeah uh, so it is very ordinary and i was chatting about this with a friend of mine uh, uh, and he gave me a very good take on it which i he basically said you know sometimes we can't relate to all these heroes when you hear about a journey of a jeff bezos or a steve jobs or melinda gates and bill gates we yeah. can't necessarily relate to it directly we are all we are inspired but ordinary journeys are what we can connect to directly mm. it is somebody like us yeah um so this thing on obviously this is a fiasco on twitter for me i mean it's not a uh, it's uh, as in at least started off as i have like about 150 odd followers on twitter which is you know not even worth mentioning in a public platform kind of a yeah. thing but it doesn't matter you know it's really one being comfortable with your skin and two um if and this we say in storytelling as well in terms of sometimes we are not comfortable about sharing our personal stories mm. and that's okay initially maybe we can talk about somebody else's stories yeah and that triggers some action mm. like i was reading about uh, this lady sarika kale Uh, who's a indian coco player from maharashtra and she became the captain of the maharashtra women state team in 2010 okay and she led the team to many national championships and she won a lot of awards and all that yeah. she started playing coco when she was 10 years old mm-hmm. and but it was a tough choice her father was dead set against her playing sports he stopped talking to her wow her mother and her grandmom were house helpers but they supported her and her grandmom actually you know sarika was very upset when her father stopped talking and all that she said no no let me give it up this is like you know it's too much it's a young girl trying to deal with you know being sports and all that and it was yeah. too much her grandmom actually went and spoke to the coach and said you know my life and my daughter's life has gone off this way mm-hmm. i don't want sarika's life to be that okay so please help her please don't let her drop out please ensure that she continues okay. and sarika went on obviously to lead the country to you know championship wins and highest and she got one of the highest sporting honors for india as well and she's glad that she stuck to it yeah. i think so sometimes hearing stories about others also inspires us to be better versions of ourselves true and when we share anecdotes like this maybe we have a problem yeah. maybe we are grappling with some situation like this where we are having some backlash and we are yeah. figuring out how to deal with it it motivates others to action yeah and that's like you know triggering uh, stories which yeah. trigger action Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Like, even if you don't think you have something to say right now, to you, you know, get the journey started, share other stories, amplify it, and then you will find something opening up for you. You will get more comfortable, and maybe something is going to come out. Something that you didn't think was a story worth sharing, then probably you will share. So yeah, thank you for uh, that story because you know I had also not. thought about sharing so many other stories because sometimes it just uh, you're like so caught up in your own world so i'm definitely making notes on that um, if so just, um is it yeah. if i could just add on to it and especially sure. i think in the corporate life mm-hmm. sometimes when you're going to and talking to a client say mm-hmm. it could be sharing the company's story it could be sharing a story about your product how your product came about Yeah. an insight into why you do what you do so yeah. that's also another way of looking at it so it's yeah. not just you know always about you and yourself that gives a good sense of the people you know you don't have to list your credentials yeah you let your character speak for itself when you share yeah. something about a glimpse of you mm. uh but at a corporate level there are so many other things you know you design a new product why did that come about why did that design come about what problem did it solve so sharing a narration around that is a great way of yeah. doing it as well and that's where business storytelling has like so many different aspects 
to it. Uh, the connection part is a prime piece yeah. because people won't listen to you unless they connect to you. Yeah. Uh, but there are other aspects as well. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question that, you know, it just occurred to me as you were sharing. So when you're saying this is storytelling, um, and, you know, let's say uh, I come to you and I'm like, Sandri, I have no idea how to do this business storytelling. What is your starting point for anybody? Where do you get people started? Like, what's, like for example, if I have to switch it, uh, when anybody comes in for coaching, the first thing that you always do is what's your vision, what's your goals, what's your why, right? And then it's obviously, if it's business coaching, then we go into who's your ideal client and what's your product offering and what problem are you solving or what need are you meeting? Likewise, if I came to you or anyone comes to business storytelling, I have no idea what all these words sound great. I mean, you know, humanizing uh, work, humanizing my brand. Where do you start? What's the starting point and what's your uh, advice on that? I mean, the starting point is pretty much the same because like I said, it is not to become a better storyteller or to become, you know, JK Rawlings of the world or anything like that. It's to be a better leader to drive a certain outcome. Yeah. So what is the outcome you're trying to drive? Why, why is this the solution? So even before you go into a solution mode, it's like really looking at your problem statement. Yeah. What are you trying to solve? What are your current pain points? Like I said, we get uh, contacted to say, you know, our sales leaders are talking like they're brochures. They're not talking like human beings. Mm. That is a starting point. Okay. So really probing into what is the problem that you're trying to solve? What are the you know outcomes that you want for yourself and your teams? Okay. And how can this be used as one of the tools to drive those outcomes? So, so pretty much, that. I mean, it is a business process. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, it would have to be about what goals you want to uh, drive. So coming back to you, uh, I'm very interested. What does a day in your life look like? I'd love to know the behind the scenes of uh, your life. Well, um, actually, my husband and I are very new to the empty nesters pool. <laughs> Our second one has just you know, gone to university. So we are still trying to figure out what was life like before and what did we do and what has happened kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I am in, a, in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a relatively early riser during the weekdays. Um, I love playing tennis. So I play about two, three times a week uh, with a bunch of friends. Mm-hmm. Never going to go to Veterans Wimbledon, but I love the game. So I'm at it. <laughs> Uh, and I also feel that I'm at my creative best in the morning. So as against what everybody else will be saying, I am on WhatsApp <laughs> once I'm ha- with my coffee. Mm-hmm. Coffee, newspaper, WhatsApp is my best trio combination. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love to read uh, articles and listen to podcasts in the morning. It's sort of my inspiration. Uh, we used to have, uh, you know, morning huddles on Mondays and we would have calls, meetings, uh, programs with clients, our social media work and all that. So that's typically the day mm-hmm. part of it. Um, I'm involved with a lot of mentoring programs. So I tend to keep some time for it in the evening mm-hmm. so I can connect with my mentees or with the organization or work on we are working on this program called Empower here in Hong Kong for ethnic minority university women okay. uh, to help them build skills and build networks. Okay. So I'm spending some time. We are working towards our third year, end of third year. So I'm working on the graduation piece now. <laughs> so <Wow>. that's really <laughs> exciting. <laughs> that's an interesting uh, initiative, actually, to uh, especially being in Hong Kong and doing this, right? Um, and you, you know, like when you that. come, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you come into a new place, this is again of a thing from moving places. When we come into a new place, sometimes we hesitate, we hold, we wondering, you know, uh, what to do, when can I get started uh, kind of a thing. Uh, but a lot of the time, it's just jumping in and connecting with the community and yeah. uh, people around us, truly yeah. looking for how you can make space for that and how you can look at, you know, touching lives at some level. And this is one of those uh, part of it and I think we connected through uh, Aspire for her foundation the work 
that's yeah. there as well so yeah, it's, yeah. i think it's it's i do pottery so some yeah. evenings goes on that nice. <laughs> um i'm not a great gym person and all that uh, so i try to walk and play in um, that part of it not so much on gyms mm-hmm. book clubs a part of two three book clubs fiction and non fiction friends reading watching nadal's matches and any tennis games catching up and trying not to be on whatsapp till late i think that's the toughest bit that i'm struggling with <laughs> okay. typical days like this and i remember there was this tv interview uh, where uh, bill gates peers into warren buffett's diary so he okay. has a small notebook uh, you know really small file of facts kind of a notebook and mm-hmm. bill gates looks at it and he sees that buffett has only one entry or maximum two in a day or even days when he has no entries so i think that's my dream book so you get a lot of time to think do you know introspection create content design think <laughs> and yeah. not crowd it with back to back meetings or calls <laughs> yeah yeah okay wishlist uh, that savita yeah, i know nice nice i mean uh, looks like you you're speaking about my future wishlist but before i let you go as we come towards the end of our uh, interview i do have one more question i think like you have with all that you shared you have a fully packed grounded uh, life of course uh, and it's interesting i always i'm always interested to hear how everybody else's day is um so what are some steps that you are applying to your own life in this dynamic times there's some one two things that you do um when you're dealing with the change as well and how are you doing it i think i'm really clinging on to uh, you know what we say is learning mindset growth mindset uh, looking at feeding curiosity mm-hmm. and assuming positive intent we tend to become very judgmental about a lot of things so uh, i'm consciously working at that and the curiosity piece i think is really important for happiness i was reading this uh, angela duckworth uh, she wrote yeah. this book called grit yeah and she's also part of this podcast called no stupid questions along with steve dubner and she writes this a uh, blog called character lab so she mm-hmm. talks about this research about curiosity going in hand in hand with happiness mm-hmm. so for 21 days participants were told to keep a daily diary where they responded to different measures of well-being and they had mm-hmm. to in addition answer two curiosity questions Yeah. The questions were today I viewed challenging situations as an opportunity to grow and learn. Hmm. The second question was everywhere I went today I was looking for new things and experiences. Okay. And on a scale of 0 to 10 uh, not at all to very the yeah. average rating for these curiosity questions was around 3. so that was quite a bit lower than she was expecting to find but there was a lot of variability across the dates and across people mm-hmm. and it turned out that consistently high ratings on these curiosity questions were correlated with higher levels of life satisfaction flourishing relationships feeling competent being able to do physical exercise and all that so I really want to be in that space uh, to, you know, quote Mark Twain: "20 years from now, you'll be disappointed by the things that you didn't do, than by the ones that you did do." Yeah. So throw off the, you know, bowline, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the wind in your sails, and explore, dream, and discover. And that's my wish for all of us. Yeah. And to do that very safely, of course. <laughs> so beautifully shared uh, i was actually going to ask you what's that one piece of advice um, that you want to give women who are overwhelmed and i think you know this is something that's so beautiful to lead the conversation with but of course you're welcome to share if there's any other anything else you want to share with the audience and especially to women today who are really overwhelmed doing a lot the hustle is real uh, sometimes we romanticize it um, right. and i don't think that should be it but your uh, last piece of advice to before i before we close some going to be last and short but for this interview 
No, sure. No, 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 advice is a big word, but I think uh, something that we are all learning to do, and I, uh, this is, uh, there are these, uh, listen Molly, mm. who do Instagram, and they talked about this arch, which I posted on LinkedIn. I don't know whether in the show notes we can share that graph. Yeah, I can. Uh, every day looks very different. So it's like almost like an arch. Being our best looks very different, and the line goes up and down like that. Mm. which is exactly where it is for all of us. And I think we need to be kind to ourselves. We need to take that moment of pause. And uh, I, will, I will still quote a tennis legend. A uh, lot of people, a lot of your young audience may not have heard of him. It's Arthur Ashe, mm-hmm. after whom a stadium is also yeah, named. Yeah, yeah. He says, start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. So just just get on with it in some ways, but just do what you can. It's fine. I think yeah. we judge ourselves more harsh, harshly than the others. Yeah. Cut yourself some slack. <laughs> great, great advice. Cut yourself some slack is something that we all need right now as we chase perfection and so many other things. So thank you so much for that wonderful, uh, you know, sharing of mantras actually I would say it's a mantra more than advice and also for sharing so many tips uh UFO will still stay with me though I have to say I have that. to thank my friend for it <laughs> I heard it from him no, but you you repeated it so it will stay with me for sure and um, I look forward to staying connected with you wish you all the very best in your uh, journey and thank you so much for being so generous with your time and being here today and sharing so much uh, with everyone. And I'm going to share uh, how people can connect with you on LinkedIn in the uh, show notes. And, um, you know, people can reach out to you if they have any uh, questions around uh, personal branding, any of these areas, right? No, thank you so much, Savita. I loved it. I enjoyed the conversation and I enjoyed connecting with you. You make it so easy for us to, you know, come and have that conversation. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're very kind. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Yeah, you too. And thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode and you want more, you can go to the show notes on my website, which is successwithsavita.com forward slash podcast. If you like what you've heard so far, I would be grateful to you if you could leave me a five-star review, subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who may find this useful. You can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success.